Welcome to the Voices of Freedom podcast by Freedom a la Carte. We're your co-hosts, Devin and Mandy. Each week, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from survivors and professionals, as well as actionable tips that you can implement in your life to become a better advocate for human trafficking survivors. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now let's jump into the next episode of Voices of Freedom. Today we have Nancy joining us on the podcast. Nancy is a mother, grandmother, and is engaged. She has her CDCA and is a peer support specialist at Sanctuary Night and a survivor of sex trafficking. Nancy graduated Hearts in Prison and then moved to Women of Excellence once released from prison. Nancy is here with us today to share a little bit of her journey with us and where she is at now. So jumping in, Nancy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, like your hobbies or what you like to do for fun? Spending as many years as I spent in the streets, I really don't know. I'm still learning about what six years sober and I'm still learning about what I like to do. Oh, yeah. So I just experiment a lot with things that may sound interesting and sometimes I like them and sometimes I don't. But I like to read. I like to bowl. I like to do anything outdoors. Yes. Yes. Um, Did you say bowl? Bowl. Mm -hmm. So you don't use like the, what are the side? Bumper, bumper bowling. (laughs) Yeah. So you also like riding roller coasters. I do. We've been to Cedar Point a lot together. Um, Just a little disclaimer. I've known Nancy for a really long time. Um, And like Devin said, she is a mother and that doesn't include just her biological kids, but she was like a mother to me on the streets and She's always been that way with me and a lot of other women and people out there. And even still today plays that role for a lot of people. I didn't know that you guys knew each other in the lifestyle. Yes. Uh, Nancy's Nancy and my mom have history beyond my time in the streets. Me and her mother went to high school together. Oh, wow. Me, her mother and her aunt. Yeah. Went to high school together. Yeah. And then her and my mom were out there um during some time and i wasn't out there yet and then when i ended up out there running into nancy and she just looked out for me a lot and made made sure i ate and helped make sure i had somewhere to sleep and stuff like that so yeah speaking of motherhood um flipping it around a little bit can you share with us a glimpse of your childhood and what that was like so i'm the oldest of five I'm the only child that doesn't belong to my stepdad. Uh, My mom and dad divorced when I was two years old, and they both remarried, like, almost immediately after, and they are still to this day with that person. But my my stepmom was a wonderful woman and still is. My stepdad, on the other hand, um, was very... Mentally, emotionally, physically, and in a sense, sexually abusive to me and my brother right below me. Um, It wasn't until uh, my mom left my stepdad. As I said, she took every penny uh, out of the bank and moved us all to Florida. And um, she had just had... My middle sister, which was my stepdad's first daughter. So all of this, I think, played a part in his change because he's not that man today. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, my, my childhood was really rough. Uh, children's services was involved a lot. Uh, there was a lot of physical abuse to the point that children's services got involved. Uh, my mom would, um, she was on Valiums and and she overdosed several times because of the whole scenario because he abused my mom as well. You think that was her way of coping? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, and s- I think since then, my stepdad, like, when I got it, got out there in the streets and just strung out and in the lifestyle and stuff, m- my mom and him took my daughter in, took Ashley in, and he never laid a hand on Ashley, and she had everything she could ever want. And I think that was, like, to this day, he still never said, Nancy, I'm sorry. But he's, uh, I feel like he tried to make up through my kid. Yeah. And um, we've had conversations where he said, you know, there's things in life that we do that we regret later in life. And I think that was just his way of apologizing. Yeah. So you have a relationship with him after he abused you during your childhood. Oh, my mom is still married to him. What is that like? Um, it's he's not that man. So it's for me like, like I said, he's done everything he could for my child, and I feel like he that was his way of trying to make up for the things that he did, and he's expressed, you know, saying we regret we do things in life and we regret them later. Like I so. He's just not that man. Yeah, I was going to say, I've met him, and I I never knew that. I never would have guessed that was the history. Was it um, hard to trust him? I guess what I'm – I'm just, like, trying to put myself in that situation. I just can't even imagine. So for for a long time, I probably – for a long time, I had – I still had these feelings or whatever because he had never apologized. And it wasn't, it was many years later when I came to, like, probably really when I went through hearts in prison in 2015 and and processed all of that. And then I came home and my mom, like, their relationship today is good. But when I first got out of prison, like, my stepdad has either slept on the couch or in a camper for the last probably 20 years, and they have remained married. But um, he has always remained provider. Like, none of my siblings wanted for anything. My kid never wanted for anything. My mom never wanted for anything. He's always been a good provider, and he's not that man today. And then when I came home from prison, I went through Women of Excellence, and then I briefly stayed in their home between Women of Excellence and getting my own place. Mm -hmm. And my mom wouldn't even do his laundry you know, and and I got angry. Like, I really got angry with my mom. Like, he's changed, but you haven't. Mm. It, like, it, it's, it's been rough, but, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a complex situation. It is. 
It is, but I don't have, like, on Father's Day, he's always thought of. You know, he's not my father, but he made mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, I I believe people change. Yeah. When they're given the right, you know. It's, I was going to say, I, I, think, goosebumps. I think for people, yeah. people that have needed a second chance like myself or maybe you can hold a little bit more compassion for, for other people who we think deserve second chances. And it's hard for somebody to see that sometimes when it's like, man, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And then it's like, we're like, but they deserve a second chance. You know, everybody deserves another shot at you know, life or a relationship or things like that. Yeah, that it's truly incredible um, strength and empathy that you possess to be able to do that. Um, okay, next question we have is, what has it been like having children living the lifestyle you used to live? That is probably the most excruciating pain I went through in my life. Yeah. Um, not knowing how to love my kids and keep boundaries at the same time for myself has been a huge struggle. Um, still is with my son. Uh, knowing what they're going through firsthand um, made it even harder, you know. But if I had anything like that, just don't give up. Since you're, yeah, yeah, just don't give up. All you know, always let them know that they're loved and care about, cared about, because you never know when that that might be a breakthrough for them. Do you have advice that you would give other parents um, with children that are? in that lifestyle how to set boundaries with them any lessons that you've learned so I did not I did not learn to set boundaries with my kids on my own I got in the relationship that I was in right now and he was like I can't live like this you know Mm -hmm. my kids coming in and coming in to shower or whatever and spending two hours in my bathroom doing whatever and then when they'd come out there would be broken crack pipes or needles or whatever in my bathroom and he'd be like I can't live like this yeah you know and so it it got to the point where I was like I'm building a good life I'm not I, I love you but I'm not gonna let you know you and your choices destroy what I'm trying to build. Right. So setting yourself first. Yeah. Always keep boundaries. I would say, you know, no matter how hard they are, it's, it's important for them to know that they are loved and it's important for them to see you set boundaries. Yeah. On a brighter note though, your daughter's sober. She is. You want to talk a little bit about what's going on with her? I do. She um, recently had a baby three weeks ago. A little oh my boy. Gosh. His name is Quincy, and he is adorable, and he looks just like her. And it is 
It is so healing. I remember when Ashley went to jail, like she called me and asked me would I bond her out. And I said, no, Ashley, and please don't hang up with me. And she said, I'm not. And she never asked me again. And uh, she went through what she had to go through in jail before she got into catch and stuff. And uh, she said to me that um, she she had a girlfriend when she went to jail. And two weeks in, into jail, she had not asked me, not one time, um, about this girl. And that's not common for Ashley because usually it's like, have you heard from or what's up with mm -hmm. or, and I, so I said to her one time in a visit, like you haven't asked me about her. Why is that? And she said, mom, I, I worry about her. I hope she's okay. She said, but I, I have more than just me to think about now. I have a baby to think about. She said, and I want to be a good parent and I want to be there for everything that you wasn't there for. So today to watch her wrap him in a blanket or change his diaper or whatever it may be that she's doing at that moment. If she's just looking at him and laughing, it is so healing for me to see that change in her. I know that she's going to be a good parent. Yeah. And it's, it's been beautiful watching your family grow. Um, and just seeing you guys be together and things working out like you, you and Ashley and, and your son and fiance and you just your family in general deserve everything that's happening. And it's so beautiful. I was wondering, I don't know if this is too much, but do you want to share how, um, the importance of this grandbaby? Cause you never thought you'd have one. So, yeah, so both of my children are gay, and um, all my life I've thought, when they first told me, like, one came out right after the other, like, at 15 and 16 years old, and at first I was, like, blown away by it, and then, I mean, but they were my children, and it, I mean that's their choices and it don't make them no different. But my first question to them was, how am I going to get a grandbaby? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I do have three, uh, non-biological grandchildren, uh, two of them that, that I had custody of for several years before they had turned 18. And, um, it was really ironic because the oldest one just had a baby a year ago and uh, she was at my house one day and she said, Santana, say bye to grandma. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's great, grandma. I forgot. She said, <laughs> she said, you never thought you'd be seeing those days, did you? And I said, no, because the Lord knows my kids ain't going to give me that. That's not what I said, but anyways. <laughs> Lord, Lord knows my kids ain't going to give me a grandbaby. And then 20 minutes later, Ashley texts me and says, Mom, I think I'm pregnant. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Quincy, the grandbaby, he is a miracle for sure. He is. A very big blessing in your family. Do you have any tips for being a new grandma? 
Spoil them, spoil them, spoil them. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice because you get to give them back. Yeah. <laughs> spoil them and give them back. Yeah. Show them all the love. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, we can gather that you really love being a mom and you really love being a grandma and um, those are really important things to you. What are some other goals you have for yourself? Um, so I, I want to pursue further pursue my CDCA because right now I just have a preliminary CDCA. Um, there's some obstacles that I have to get out of the way before I can do that. Yeah. yeah but. So for those of you that might not know, a CDCA is a chemical dependen- dependency counselor assistance um, licensure. So what that means is a person with this can... Um, work under a counselor or social worker and help with assessments and case management and um, sometimes some counseling sessions regarding substance use or relapse or things like that. Um, And the preliminary is the first round of the licensure and then you can go back for your CDCA too and that's through um, for Ohio anyway that is through the Ohio Board of Chemical Dependency. Um, Your you do a 40-hour education program, you you do a workbook, and you submit that for a certificate, and then you send all of your information into the board, and they review it and either request more documentation or not, and then approve or um, let you know what your next steps are to get approved to do that and practice in that way. Um, so an- another goal, say, um, Mandy, you know me, but so in my sobriety, I bought a house and... Yes, you did, girl. So I, <laughs> I, another goal of mine is to get out of the city. Um, I want something with some property where mm-hmm. my dogs can run. My I can ride my four wheeler or yes. <laughs> yeah stuff like that. You could camp so in your own backyard. I could camp <laughs> in my own backyard. Are you um, when you were growing up? Did you live in the country? So I did not. Okay. I, I I grew up in Lincoln Village in New Rome, but my dad, however, up until two years ago, him and my stepmom had ninety acres. Oh wow! In Southern Ohio. Oh my gosh. So we mentioned that you're a peer supporter at Sanctuary Night. Can you tell us what you do and what impact being a peer supporter has had on your life? Um, So at Sanctuary Night, we directly work with women who are still engaged in the lifestyle. Um, We just... I want to, I just want to um, clarify too, when we're discussing the lifestyle, we do mean sex work, which could be human trafficking um, and drug addiction, alcohol use, and um, Sanctuary Night is on Sullivan. So um, the women they serve typically are people that experience those things on or near Sullivan Avenue. Yeah, so... Um Sanctuary Night is is a drop-in center, and um, we are just there to love and support and have hope for these women. Um, it enriches my life 
Um, and it's also a reminder to me of where I could be and yeah. where I don't ever want to be again. Right. You know. Um, but so for me, um, this is where I was involved in all of these things. So most of these women I directly have a past with. Wow. Um, so it's huge for me to um, be there for them, to allow them to see what they could do also. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always, you know, a good day when I can call the REACT team and get one of them into treatment or, you know, I get a phone call saying, hey, I'm going in to catch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's huge to me. Uh, it's it's where I want to be. It's I think it's I think everything in my life has happened to prepare me for this position. Yeah. What's one of your favorite memories from Sanctuary Night so far? Um, one of my favorite memories from Sanctuary Night. I think, like, this is a reoccurring event for me. There is a girl that is um, really a handful. Uh, most of my coworkers um, can't work with her very well, but she always, always, always comes in and wants me to hug her. Aww. Like, Aww. does not, it's not, can I have a hug? It's, she comes up and grabs me and and holds me, and I can really feel her relax in my arms, you know, and that, I don't know, a feeling like it. Yeah, that's special. That's a, <laughs> we're all recouping sorry, again. I'm crying again. Um, yeah. That is such a trusted Yes thing because a lot of us struggle with touch in general and then to for someone to still actively be engaged with sex work and the things that come with that to come to you and want a hug and you actually can feel her feeling safe yes that's so special yes sorry you don't you don't (laughs) sorry it's a special thing um so, with everything you shared, oh wait, do you is there anything you want to share that we haven't um, covered that you would like people to know about you or or people like us or the work we do? Just that the work that we do, um, you know, at first glance you wouldn't realize the how many levels of all the levels of trauma and all the levels of everything that we've been through, um, how just a little bit of hope and just a whole lot of love and support can change everything in a person's life. And it is so important um, to someone like me that comes from where I, I came from to have the opportunity to be here and do for people and offer that handout that wasn't there when I was out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. You've been amazing, Nancy, and you know I love you very much. And I'm really grateful that you were able to be on our podcast today. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for being vulnerable and uh, sharing touching moments. Yeah. And uh, I want to let our listeners know that we appreciate you spending time with us today, too. And we want to remind you to share your voice because your voice matters. We'd like to thank MGF Sourcing and the MGF Touch Foundation for their sponsorship of Eat Up Columbus. Freedom a la carte's annual fundraiser taking place Saturday, July 30th at the National Veterans Memorial and Museum in downtown Columbus. Making great fashion sourcing has historically been a passionate advocate of Freedom a la carte in our mission to empower survivors of sex trafficking and exploitation to lead new lives of freedom, and we are truly grateful for their partnership. Visit MGF Sourcing's website today at www.mgfsourcing.com and purchase tickets to attend this year's Eat Up Columbus event at www.eatupcolumbus.org.